Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, a show about people, their passions, and their pursuit toward happiness. I'm Bev Matayoshi, your host, and uh, my passion is about talking to people about their dreams and what drives them to make it happen. So today, um, the guest I'm invited on the show today is so amazing. He's one of my favorite people that I met here in Atlanta so far in the seven years I've been here. I can't believe it's been seven years already, but um, he is such a source of interesting conversation and I always have such a great time talking to him and I invited him on the show today so he can enlighten you with his experience of what makes him tick and um, what uh, just you know makes him passionate about life and one of the things that I love about him is his passion for science because I'm a science nerd too so <laughs> we connect that way so without further ado I'd like to introduce you to Father Bruce Wilkinson, I love his faith and his, um, you know, love for God, and I, I share that with him as well. So, welcome, Father. Well, thank you. It's such an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. I love this so much. You know, one of the reasons why I connected with you initially as well was because we are cat people. And, you know, cat people are sometimes, you know, looked at as kind of weird people, but yeah. <laughs> I, I've always been a cat person. I have, usually she sits right next to me while I'm doing the show. I don't know where she is today, but her name is Fanny and I, I love her so much. And, you know, and I know you have two cats and uh, I just, you know, I just love hearing the stories about them because they're like people. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I never, I st didn't start out as a cat lover, but I have become a cat lover. And um, two cats I adopted from a friend who uh, her cat had a rather large litter. And so she was looking kind of overstressed. And I said, well, okay, I'll try taking two of your cats. And my two cats are Barney and Fred after the Flintstones. <laughs> And so having two siblings is they've been with each other their entire lives and uh, they are just so they are really fun. I, I never would have thought that, but I love I have fallen in love with cats. I know I, you know, growing up, we uh, we always had kittens like they would come and my mom would just we would just feed them and we'd have so much cats running around our house. My mom did not like it because they would, you know, make mistakes mm. all over the the backyard and stuff but we we all, always had cats growing up and now i only have one because i live in an apartment but she makes me happy and she makes my kids happy so it's all good <laughs> and completely yes so uh father um can can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself uh where did you grow up um i was born and raised in chicago illinois um, uh, if you knew anything about Chicago, I grew up on the South Side, which of course makes me very excited to be a South Sider. Um, uh, Why is that? Why is being on the South Side exciting? Um, it, it's because there's a rivalry between the, the, what are the three sides of Chicago, the North Side, the West Side, and the South Side. And the South Side actually is the largest of the three areas. Um, it's also the newer 
of the areas. And so a lot of people kind of look down on the South side because um, it's not where the Cubs play and it's not generally, um, you know, the basketball and hockey teams are on the West side and the football team is in downtown. So Southside doesn't have any of those kind of things. And all we were known for were the stockyards before they closed. <laughs> but Southside's a great, great portion of the part of the city. Yeah. You know, I've been to Chicago one time. I was probably 14 years old. Like I wasn't old enough to experience much, but we saw a Broadway musical mm. there, Miss Saigon. And uh, I remember going to the Sears Tower and okay. the Shed um, Aquarium. Aquarium, yes. And they had like the taste of Chicago that day, um, that weekend we were there. But it was such a great experience. I really loved it in the summertime. I've never experienced the cold winters and I don't know if I want to. Yeah, that, that, that does, if you, if you grow up there in it, you don't think much about it, but once, if you have never experienced it and you enter into it, um, it, it can be uh, as literally bone chilling. <laughs> literally, because I remember one time we had a layover. I was probably nine years old at the time. We were on our way to the Philippines uh, and we had a layover at night um, and it was like negative 19, no, it wasn't Philippines. Uh, I don't know when it was. We were on vacation or something. We were. It was like negative nineteen degrees, and <laughs> that was the first time I ever experienced that. And it was only for like fifteen seconds to travel from like outside the airport into the plane, and it, it mm. was so cold. I was like, I felt like my teeth were gonna fall out. <laughs> I, again, growing up, you never. We still my friends that still live there we always talk about the huge snowfalls every 10 years or so Chicago gets just a horrible amount of snow and you know there you marked your life by which snowfall occurred so I experienced two uh, uh, the blizzard of 67 and the blizzard of 77 and everyone marks according to oh yeah you remember what we were doing then and of course in 67, and I was in school, elementary school, and we had to walk to elementary school because then no one took buses. And we had to walk, I think we had maybe 35 inches of snow within, I know, <laughs> within three days. It, it, it was just, you know, so. It, it it's a legend if you if you survive there you, through the winters you you can survive anyway <laughs> that's probably very true this hawaiian girl will probably never survive <laughs> something like that <laughs> but anyways um so can we like when growing up like in your household like were your parents because you're a catholic priest here right. were your parents religious people as well Absolutely not. In fact, uh, we weren't religious at all, uh, really practicing anything. Um, I grew up, my parents were, were Baptist in name, and they would admit that they were in name uh, Baptist. Um, we went, growing up, I can remember going to church maybe 10 times, all the way up until my teenage years. 
And they, and I started going more to church in my teenage years uh, uh, only because I wanted to be a Boy Scout. And the Boy Scouts, you had to go to church. So um, it wasn't because I was religious, but it was because I wanted to be a Boy Scout. But my parents, you know, they, they weren't anti-religion. They just weren't uh, very big on religion. And um, I, have, I have older brother. Um, he definitely was not religious either. So um, it was kind of a strange thing thinking about talking about religion because on Sundays in Chicago at that time, on Sundays, um, most of the religious programming was Jewish. And so I watched all the Jewish program. I didn't know it was Jewish, but later on I found out because they would sing songs and Yiddish. And I would go around singing these songs. And my, my dad would say, you're not Jewish. I said, I don't know. And I would sing these songs that were on TV. But I thought it was kind of new. But, um, you know, religion just wasn't a big part of my growing up experience. That's interesting. You know, like, I mean, I I grew up Catholic. My dad was not very religious. Mm. <laughs> but um, my mother was Catholic, so we went to Catholic church growing up. So we that's we went to Sunday school every weekend, and um, you know. But as far as I mean, yeah, growing up, we were very. Actually, that's how I learned how to play guitar was through church. Yeah, I we joined the choir in high school and it was funny because we were like um, the youngest. We were like, you know, just, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, uh, in high school. And um, we were the young people in the choir. Everyone else in the choir were a lot older. And but we just loved it, it was seven o'clock mass early in the morning. But the piano music and we would sing in four part harmony, it was just so beautiful and my sisters and I that we learned how to sing, you know that through that well in school we were um, very involved in theater as well, but. Um, yeah we were very involved in the church uh, growing up and even through high school like a lot of my leader leadership experience, you know, um, you know just going into college like for my college resume was all through mm. the church. Um, very huge impact in my life. Um, after high school, I probably was not very active anymore. Like I, I just, I guess I felt at home at the church I grew up in. So yeah. like when I moved to Los Angeles, I didn't have that community, you know, that, that, of that same sort. And it was so different in LA, you know, culture shock and all that. I, I guess I just never stayed with it, but it doesn't mean that I don't believe in God anymore. You know, like, uh, you know, my sisters and I, we were always you know very faithful in that way but um yeah i it's just weird everyone's um experiences you know are, are different so yeah i um the strange thing about you know well, chicago uh, still is somewhat it, it was very catholic city and the neighborhood i grew up in must spend most of my life in all my friends were catholic we, we never talked about that um, they went to the uh, parochial school. I went to the public school. Uh, the public school in my neighborhood was much smaller than the parochial school. So, you know, I, I knew they didn't eat meat on Fridays. And I never knew, you know, I never knew why. They said, oh, we just don't eat meat on Fridays. I said, oh, okay, that's too bad. We do. Uh, <laughs> and, 
when they would go to church, most uh, most of my friends, uh, they were altar servers. So um, they had to learn Latin. They told me they had to learn Latin. And I was like, Latin? Okay, well, that's interesting. I said, what do you do with it? They said, well, use it in, in, in worship or mass. I said, Latin? I said, I said, okay. I was, me being stupid, I'm thinking at that time in my age, I'm thinking it's like a form of gospel singing. <laughs> I said, oh, the Latin singing. Okay, I got it. And then I heard <laughs> music. I said, oh, Latin music. Oh, okay, I got it. But, um, you know, it was funny being in a neighborhood that was very Catholic, but I had no clue about Catholicism at all. Wow. And so, like, I guess I just wanted to ask you, because everybody who's, um, you know, everyone's calling is is different, you know, everyone's experience is different. Like, so can you tell us, like, in your experience, what, what was your calling? Like, what what called to you to to, you know, serve in this way? Um, my introduction to, or I should say reintroduction to church, because I had, like, you mentioned them. after high, high school, after Boy Scouts, I didn't go to church at all. Um, when I went to college, I didn't go to church at all. Um, but my reintroduction to religion came actually um, after a card game. We were playing poker, my, friend, my college friends and I, were, we were playing poker, eating pizza, at that time, um, the legal drinking age was 18. So we were eating pizza, drinking, and playing cards. And we, you know, as you got a little bit more drinking, <laughs> people started getting a little bold and making, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take all your chips, I'm gonna do this. So toward the end of the game, one of my friends said, okay, let's do an ultimate bet. And the ultimate bet is whoever wins this. Uh, hand and the, takes the pot of cash, then everybody else has to agree to do something that this the winner says. Well, I was real confident. I said, oh yeah, I'm going to win this hand. I, you know, I don't know if I had too much wine at that point, but I was just that. So needless to say, lost the hand. And the friend who uh, won was Catholic. I didn't know that, that he was Catholic. So he made the bet okay, everyone has to go to church with me. And I'm thinking, ch church, okay. Um, you know, I, at that time, I did not, you know, a college student, all I wore were jeans, T-shirts, those kind of things. So I said, well, you know, I don't have a suit. I don't really have a nice suit to go to church. He said, oh, you don't have to worry about going to wearing a suit. I said, of course you have to wear a suit. That's what you do with, you know, Baptist church. You better not come up and jeans so he said no don't worry about it so we went to church that sunday um i was just fascinated um uh, by the ritual and because i liked uh being a math major and an engineering major i loved being things that were precise so to me this was just very exciting but that opened the door for me to um religion once again but the calling came over a period of time. And, I, and to be quite honest, the one thing that really changed my mind about even thinking about joining a church was this particular parish, they had a free lunch program 
that they ran for the community, for the hungry. And when I went to the church the second time, this time by myself, because I just wanted to see what it was, if it was still the same. And um, these three elderly ladies invited me to sit, told me I had to sit with them, even though I did not want to sit with them, because I was sitting in the back and they invited me to sit with them and they kind of took me under their wing and they were running this free lunch program. So they asked, would I be willing to come up and help? Um, you know, college student, I didn't have any money. I, any place you could eat that was great, I was willing to go. So, but it, it struck a nerve in me about serving. It struck a nerve in me about seeing uh, a community reaching out to people in need. And so I volunteered uh, to, you know, the program ran five days a week, but I, I think I went up there three days a week. Um, and it just opened me to hear these people talk. Why they were doing it was because they believed in God. And it made me start to really think, well, what do I believe? And as I got more pleasure in serving, um, it, it opened the possibility of me I, uh, you know, becoming more involved into the church. I wasn't interested in priesthood, but, but more involved in the church. And I think that's one thing that serving uh, a calling is, it's getting connected to a community. Wow, what an amazing story and how random. Like you literally got introduced by losing a bet in poker. <laughs> I find that so fascinating. And like that life can just you know throw you a hand and then it could change your life forever i yes. i love this story so much it is so cool i think this is like the coolest uh calling i've ever heard <laughs> wow that's so amazing the poker can get you closer to god yeah right, right. i love it <laughs> not that i'm gonna uh you know you know, encourage people to gamble or anything like that. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. Um, so like, you know, just, you know, over the years, you know, um, I, I just like, you know, your involvement in the church, like, is, is there anything else like that got you really even more involved? Like, how did you at that time you serving was what was your you were passionate about serving people like in in what ways um, did you get more involved that, you know, opened the doors to you actually, you know, becoming a priest? Um, the one thing that I credit, which would uh, um, I was by this time in Atlanta living, um, going to school in Atlanta and um, one summer. I was decided. I decided to take uh, some classes, but um, normally during the summer you would find a part-time job and work. And if I stayed in Atlanta, I had to. Find, I would have to find a job, and I would have to find a place to live. So as I was kind of mulling this over, I happened to just casually mention to the pastor at the parish. I said, oh, "I think I'm going to stay." And, I don't know where I'm going to live. And if I do, it's going to be a problem. He says, well, I have, a, I have a solution. I said, well, he said, you can live in the rectory, but you have to work the summer camp when you're not going to school. And I said, oh, okay. I'm, you know, I'm thinking working in 
the summer camp would be fun. I never thought about living in a rectory <laughs> with with three priests. I never. What is that like? So that summer, I ended up living in a. Uh, they had a spare bedroom. I lived in a spare bedroom, and of course, some some of my friends who were here, they were like, "You're living with priests? What's wrong with you?" <laughs> and I thought, and then I started feeling kind of strange because I said, "Yeah, that is kind." Of, kind of, you know, weird, you know, I go out and to have fun and then I got to come back and to a church record. But, but what I saw was, uh, particularly in the pastor, I saw him as the person and not just the figure standing up there by the altar. And, you know, he had conversations with him and that opened the door to think about, again, priesthood. I, it wasn't, um, you know, how, most of my friends who I knew were priests when I met, you know, they were always said, oh, I thought I knew I was going to do this since I was a kid. And I, you know, I was an altar server and I did this and I didn't have any of those experiences. So, um, but what I understood, came to understand was that how God speaks to us in ways that, you know, most people think you have to be on your knees praying and God is going to speak to you or you're going to read the scriptures and God's going to speak to you or you're going to be in church and God's going to speak to you. God spoke to me with us, you know, just laughing and living in the rectory, watching TV, talking about daily events. And, um, and I came to see that God works in every day normal things, not these just the spectacular, you know, split the Red Sea kind of moments. And and that made a big difference for me. Wow, that is a very eye-opening um way to look at it. Cause yeah, a lot of people don't think about that. Like it's the splitting the Red Sea. That is like a really good way to describe it. Like because when people have those aha moments, you know, like, oh wow, God's really like, you know, there for me. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, it takes that the splitting of the Red Sea or something really catastrophic to happen and you survive, you know, or something like that. For yes. you to notice that, you know, there's something out there, you know, bigger than yourself. And yes. um, I think that is so cool that you saw it in everyday life like that is very eye opening um, because like a lot of people don't take the time to notice, you know, in everyday life. So that's powerful, man. I, I love that. I, I mean, now it's starting, the story of why you are the way you are is starting to like make sense to me now. I'm like, cause when I first met you, I was like, you are not a Catholic priest. Like you don't act like a priest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're so easygoing. And I, you know, I don't, not that I don't, I have, I guess I haven't hung around a lot of priests, but um, the ones that I did growing up, they're very like, the only setting I ever saw them in was, you know, at the retreat, you know, where it's quiet and we're in the church, you know, we can't make a lot of noise, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. talking with you, I'm just like, you know, you're just like a friend, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't, you don't come off as a Catholic priest. And I just think that is so cool. And one of the things that I love about you is how um, you're, you're so engaged in, um, pop culture and social media, you know, like I, I, I don't don't see that like it, in priests, you know, you just don't expect that. And you're you're very knowledgeable on just everyday life and and pop culture, and I think that's really cool. And um, I think that's powerful because you can connect to a lot of people in that way and share God, your experience in that yeah. way, to people that are probably not used to 
you know, or who don't even realize, you know, like it's, it's a nice way to really connect with people. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about on the show was your, your passion for science. And you said you majored in college in um, engineering and um, I, I didn't know that. So that's another thing that's eye-opening for me right now is just knowing, like, I just want to ask you, like, how, uh, when did you become passionate? What, how, how old were you when you knew you were passionate about science? And like, I know you love astronomy and, you know, like, how did that door open up? Like, where did you, um, you know, get that passion from? Um, the first time, well, astronomy, um, came when I was in elementary school. And although like, you know, as kids, the, the um, schools, you know, they would take you on field trips. So you went to the planetarium and that was all nice. The planetarium and the aquarium and the and they had science and history museum. And, you know, most of that, all of us, we were just running around hitting the little buttons to see what it would do. But when I was in elementary school, we, uh, my parents, they took us on a trip up to Wisconsin. And when we were there, this was the first time we were out really in the middle of kind of nowhere, or I shouldn't say nowhere, but it was not the regular city kind of setting. So the sky was just absolutely clear and it was dark. And I remember uh, the first night we were, I, I can't remember the location in Wisconsin, but the, I remember looking up and I had never seen the sky like this. I mean, it was, I was just overwhelmed. I was like, what is this? What, what is that? I was asking questions. I said, dad, what is that? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> you know, my, what is that? I don't know. I said, I want to know what that is. And so um, they, uh, for that Christmas bought me a telescope. So I was in my backyard in Chicago. And of course you couldn't see anything because it's, it's, the air's polluted and it's dark and it's all the street lights. But that opened my eyes to say, I wanna know what that is up there. But what I have never seen before in my life, what, what are those things? And of course it was also during the time of uh, Apollo moon launch and uh, space race. So you know, but they never talked about the stars. All they talked about was going to the moon. Okay, well, we're going to the moon, that's exciting. But what are those other things up there? So that opened uh, my uh, mind to want to find out. And I began going to the planetarium in Chicago. And I remember sitting for the first time and they explained that those are, those, our sun is a star, those are other suns. Uh, here are the planets, those things you see th that don't twinkle, those are planets. And I just became amazed at what those things were. And I wanted to know as much about it as I possibly could. And it kind of, it then developed into a mixing of my loving science and then also becoming a belief, re-believing in that God made all these things. And so why would God make all these things? And that's kind of how I opened the door in my mind, uh, one to science in with my faith. Well, yeah, my, my son loves astronomy too. And just, you know, the planet, outer space, he's just obsessed with it. 
<laughs> he he even like knows the name of the the planet out there that's kind of similar to Earth. I, I don't know. Oh, he, oh, okay. Yeah, he's serious. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like there's this game that he plays on the iPad called uh, what is it called? Uh, it's like a simulator of uh, I forget what it's called. I can't remember exactly, but you can actually like. Um, pretend you're like standing on Jupiter and you can see all the moons from that point of view, you know, <laughs> you can like throw moons at the earth. Like you can do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And he, he loves that game. He can play it for hours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think it's so cool. Like I, I, when I first met you, you know, just hearing you talk about um, astronomy and science and I'm like, and you're a priest like that. That's kind of just, you know, it's a little contradictory, you know, so I was going to ask you, like, have you ever like gotten, you know, ridiculed or or judged because of that because of your passion for science. Most people think, yeah, that, you know, well, most people when if they start talking, uh, you know, that religion doesn't make sense or religion is useless and then I start giving them my scientific talk. And they look at look at you strange, and they said, "But aren't you a priest?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "But you know, it, this is why this all makes sense." I said, "You know, science tells you the how, but religion tells you the why, and you need to know the how and the why in order to understand everything. If you only understand the how." then you won't understand, well, where did this come from? How, why is it here? And um, so there are times when, and then of course my science friends, <laughs> they think I'm crazy. They think I'm friends. Like, well, you, are, you don't need to believe in God. So when we talk about those kind of things, I say, okay, well, how do you explain this as a scientist if you don't have a God? And they can't. And so, yeah, that most times, most times now, people who know me, they they just avoid. They <laughs> they won't challenge me on any. But most, but most people really want to know. They they are curious. How does this fit together? How does uh, science and religion work together? And they do. They really do work together. And they're not. Um, you know, they're not uh, enemies of each other and they're, and, and particularly the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has run um, um, uh, that, uh, the Vatican Observatory has been in existence since the 1500s. So a lot of times people will say, well, what about Galileo and the church? I said, well, that, they didn't condemn him for the reasons you think. I said, you know, most of the uh, religious priests who were scientists, they accepted that the sun was the center. They just, there was other reasons why they didn't like what Galileo said. So um, there are a lot of people who are people of faith who also do great science. And um, most times, you know, the people who don't like either way, they won't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, I have appreciation for both. And uh, maybe my mind is just not, you know, that's sophisticated enough to really understand or question it. And for me, I'm just like, I, I just don't question it. You know, like I know I believe in science and I think it's just so amazing, you know, but you know, with, with God, you know, you just kind of, it's more of an acceptance thing, you know, like yeah. 
you don't need to see it to believe it. You know what I mean? It's something that you feel, you know, and experience. Um, and, you know, that for me, like that, that just it is it's something that, you know, I, I need, you know, to make it through in life, you know, like you don't need to question it to the point where or explain it to the point where, you know, you get frustrated. <laughs> You know, maybe and there are people out there that are just so smart that they feel the need to analyze everything down to the little, you know, but I don't know when it comes to God and science, I both are so massively, you know, huge. It's so huge that I don't know, like for me, it's just an, a matter of being accepting of both. And I agree. I agree. And even today, even most of the modern, the most, the most, um, widely debated theories amongst astronomers and astrophysicists uh, are, are really philosophical questions. For, you know, the one of the thing is, how, how, is there just one universe or are there multiple universes? You know, and that, that's really a philosophical kind of question that will never be answered, but it's one that you have to come to believe and accept, which is a, is a, a statement of faith. And so when you talk to, when I talk to particularly people who are really learned in science, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an amateur, so a real amateur. But when you talk to them, you know, and you know, I said, you have to have a, an imagination and faith to leap beyond just what you see. And that's what part of faith is in God. We, you know, we don't see it at all, but you have to leap beyond what you see to understand there's something greater than you that is indeed there. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, like, it, with your journey and your, your religious journey and your, you know, passion for science, ha have you traveled anywhere that, you know, really allowed you to really immerse yourself into these things? Yes. Well, one, one of course, one of the favorite places, there's two things that you visit as a priest and, and then as a, a person who likes astronomy. You visit churches, cathedrals, and you visit uh, uh, telescopes. <laughs> and both are, both are kind of like places of, you know, awe and wonder. So the, the um, actually the Vatican owns and runs a telescope in Arizona. Uh, it's one of the largest telescopes in the world, the ground-based um, telescopes. So they run a program, the Jesuits run the, the telescope and the program. So I went out there for a program um, in one January. Um, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, um, they have a, a, a whole facility with different kind of things that they have studied and uh, on position papers they've written and talk about how this fits in, you know, how does this uh, point of science fit in with faith? So um, that was a very, very exciting. In fact, all in Arizona, there's lots of different uh, places. And then um, the other place that I loved was in West Texas um, that's run by the University of Texas at Austin. But it's a way out in the middle of Southwest Texas. Uh, beautiful um, uh, telescope. And then, of course, here in Georgia, we have a great telescope that's run by the uh, Georgia State University. 
that's um, about 50 miles east of Atlanta. Um, great place to visit. And um, so I, you know, whenever I get a chance to this, this hopefully as things calm down from the pandemic, um, I'm going to be going out to um, California. It's outside of LA. There's a, a program that they have out there that I'll be visiting to, to join in on. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's a big telescope in Hawaii too. <laughs> I would love to go, you know, they don't, they don't give tours to just regular people, unfortunately, but <laughs> I, I would love to, that, that's one place I've never been. I would love to go there. It, it, now, there's some controversy about the telescopes on the mountain, um, you know, which understandably so. There's ten, some tensions because of the uh, uh, viewpoint of that this is very sacred ground and it's not being observed. And yeah, uh, I, but um, they don't just allow in up in, in Hawaii. They just don't allow anyone up there. No. Um, the telescope out here in Georgia. I've never been there yet, but that's definitely something I would want to take my kids to go see. Um, maybe you can take us. We can go on a field trip. Okay, we're, we're <laughs> right. Now, you know, now they're in COVID shutdown yeah. to outside. But once it opens up, I mean, I hope you can. You know, you have to go late, so they may if they can stay up late. Maybe that'll oh, help. They they can stay up late. Believe me, if they have a motivation <laughs> to, they will. <laughs> but it's a, it's a wonderful. They do a tour and do explanations and if it's a clear night you get to look through they have three actually three large telescopes there but you they can let you look through one um great great program in fact georgia has a a, a huge a place a huge part in both astronomy and uh aerospace industry so um this is a great location through georgia tech and um and georgia state oh that'd be amazing my kids, they, they're, I guess I haven't really ventured out, you know, much to really let them experience much of Atlanta yet. Uh, they, they're going out a little bit, you know, I took them to the Fernbank Museum. That was pretty cool. We learned about dark matter. <laughs> That's a good place. That's a great place. Yeah. Oh, so. They learned about dark matter, they know more than me. <laughs> I remember like it was dark and we were like, you know that that dome theater you're kind of leaning back and it, it's yeah. dark and you know when i'm in that environment i just start falling asleep not because it was boring but just because of the position i was in and my it was quiet and all i could hear was my son's voice going why are your eyes closed mommy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny but i i just you know i i just think this this conversation is so cool just like hearing about, you know, uh, why you are the way you are. Like, you're such an amazing um, convert. You know, I love having the conversations we do when we're together. Like, uh, I just, you know, I just never thought, you know, I, I just thought it was just, you're the, you're a, a Catholic priest, but, you know, I just thought you were so cool. Like, you went to Dragon Con, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was just like, I was like, okay, you're, you're not uh, like everybody else. I love this, so. Thank you so much, so much for coming on the show. I just love um, sharing you with everybody. And hopefully, you know, this conversation will inspire people, you know, to just really see things in a different way, you know, like everyday life can open doors uh, to your faith and, you know, just let you, your 
your life goal, uh, you know, you, you never know where your life is going to take you, basically. You know, yeah. for you, uh, 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 you lost the hand in poker. <laughs> Look at where it led you, <laughs> you know. Do you still talk to that friend that that you played poker with? That you went to church with? Unfortunately, he passed. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah he, he passed. Um, believe it or not, well, he, he died in an airplane crash, unfortunately. But he did it when he, he was, uh, he got a job actually in the uh, Clinton White House. Oh, wow. And, and he ended up um, on um, a diplomatic trip they were having with the secretary of somebody's and whatever. But unfortunately the plane crashed and he was killed. So wow. Again, you never know where life is gonna lead you. No, you so. don't. You don't. But I, I just uh I just love um that we met and I hope that we continue to be great friends. I just see a friendship forming and you know like uh, I hope it continues and, you know, I would love for, for, to go to that telescope with my kids, with you. That would be a really, really fun adventure to look forward to. I would love that too. <laughs> so um, I, I'm going to take the time to end this uh, this uh, episode here and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you liked it, really just subscribe and, you know, share it with your friends because the the people that come on this show just inspire me so much and my hope is just that it'll touch somebody out there as well okay so thank you so much father for joining us today um and thank you everyone for joining us on dark horse matters you know this is the show about people and their passions and what drives them to make their dreams come true and you know to just go after where life leads you so take care and until next time be passionate